0: Welcome back to week nine of USFL Daily here at 44 Football. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle, joined today by none other than the co-host of this show, essentially, and CEO of RunTheSims.com, none other than Justin Freeman. Justin, how are you doing fresh off vacation recording from a hotel room?
1: <laughs> yeah, man, back at home base, uh, keeping a tight eye. Do you pay a, a, a tight uh, attention to college baseball at all? Um, no. Uh, should it, I? It, this is pr- oh, it's fun, man! It actually is like uh, to me one of the funner sporting events. Like I, I don't follow it super closely throughout the regular season, but playoff baseball is is pretty awesome. And the college kids, like you, just it's kind of like Little League World Series in a way, like where mm-hmm. you just see like this is for many of them, this will be the pinnacle of athletic accomplishment, and they're just laying it all on the line. And so it's a lot of fun. And my local team, the EC Pirates are crushing right now to beating the Texas Longhorns, and I will be uh, side-eyeing to make sure that they hold on to this league throughout the ninth inning.
0: Very nice. Uh, I have had a life that has journeyed in a lot of different corners of the world, one of them being a highlights individual with Fox Sports in L.A., and I only say that because – we did get assigned to work Little League World Series and then when you get the chance to go you realize it's like a cult uh like people take it very very seriously it's it's genuinely just like a woodstock it's like a giant party there that you wouldn't believe so uh yeah the Little League World Series that that type of uh enjoy uh joy uh love when people have that much passion for that yeah of course it's interesting so good for you and I'm rooting for you
1: People are at least somewhat more interested in that than the USFL, it seems.
0: (laughs) It it does seem like that. DraftKings included, who dipped our prize pools yet again. But two weeks left, it's okay. If anything, I wish we could get any amount of consistency. That's my frustration here. Uh, Because really, it's only become even the quarterbacks that we know are going to start it's even for them, hoping for the best that they, that they produce. So we'll talk about that all as we dive into here though, let's go ahead and get started two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. The way DraftKings laid it out for us is a four game slate, the big one and a two game slate on Sunday. So we will talk about it as those two slates in particular. And we're going to start with the generals, New Jersey generals at the Michigan Panthers and Unlike last week, I should have kicked you to the beginning because we had so much quarterback news, so I'll go ahead and start with injuries in this matchup. Uh, Anything we should note before noting the personnel and what happened with these two teams last week?
1: Yeah, um, so Paxton Lynch has been declared inactive as a former starting quarterback for the Michigan Panthers. He will not be out there. The question then becomes, well, who is his backup and or does it matter, Um, you know, because Josh Love would seem to be the next guy up for Michigan, but he's listed as questionable and the team did activate Eric Barrier, a guy who I'm not overly familiar with. Uh, as I understand it, he's kind of a quarterback, wide receiver, hybrid type guy, um, versatile playmaker, um, and, and has made some splashes and some brief uh, professional appearances in the past. Um, but I would think Barrier may actually be the favorite to draw the start. So Anyway, just proceed with caution there for Michigan quarterback situation. Um, On the quarterback side for the Generals, it's another week removed from injury for DeAndre Johnson. But Luis Perez kind of continues to look competent in guiding that offense. And a team that's locked up their playoff positioning, there's really no need to press here if you're New Jersey. Unless they just want to sort of knock some rust off for DeAndre Johnson, I think they're fine rolling with Luis Perez again this week. so a couple sort of quarterback situations to keep an eye on. At running back, Reggie Corbin will be out for the Panthers. He has been declared inactive. That's going to leave Stevie Scott and Cameron Scarlett as the two guys to rock and roll there. Um, on the general side, it looks like both running backs there are fine. Uh, but there was a surprise inactive there for the generals in the passing game, which was Jmon Moore was declared inactive. And so that was a guy who had seen, you know, 90 plus percent of the routes in that offense over the last couple of weeks. And so um, that obviously is going to open up some opportunity for some other guys. And so, um, but yeah, a lot of things sort of shaking up there.
0: With Corbin out, do you expect we see a 60-40, 70-30 timeshare in favor of Stevie Scott, since that's what we got last week, 13 touches, just Cam Scarlin's eight? Or do you think it's going to be more of a 50-50 share? Yeah, no, I think for
1: carries specifically, it will definitely lean more towards Stevie Scott there. I think Cameron Scarlett, they primarily want to use him as a pass catcher, um, so they'll put him in on obvious passing downs. So, you know, unfortunately, they'll split the work so that depending on which script, you're not going to know exactly which running back is the preferred option. I'd say Scarlett maybe has a little bit safer of a floor, and Stevie Scott has the better chance
0: to be like, to do what Reggie Corbin had done in that offense. On the other side of the ball as well, we know there's only really one option, especially from Luis Perez, that can keep sustaining week to week, and that's Cavante Turbin in the passing game. Uh, But also, they continue to, even though they continue to split touches and share this backfield with Trey Williams, it's still Darius Victor who gets every single red zone touch, and thus is the much more prominent option. And so... I would say, like we should continue piling on Victor. Like just keep playing him, no questions asked. Since again, we only have two or three running backs that we're guaranteeing are going to get twenty plus touches, and also have the scoring equity like he does. We also have a question from the chat, though, because since they are locked up for the playoffs, it's a good question. Tube Sox asked, do We think they're going to scale back or sit Turbin to keep uh, to keep him healthy.
1: Um, I don't think so. Like, uh, he already is a bit of a part-time player in the first place. Like, truth be told, he only plays, I think, about 70% of the snaps in this offense. And so I think already they only put him on the field when they really want to target him, either in the passing game or in the running game, either one. Um, So I wouldn't anticipate that. To me, um, I would focus more on taking free squares wherever you can get them, and I know that can be – uh tough to call anyone a free square in usfl but Purpin is starting to emerge as uh close to that and another thing to keep in mind this week is salaries actually did tighten up you cannot play studs across the board this week uh, which is different than weeks past so um you may be able to get off him in the name of salary cap alone if you need to get down to some other guys
0: and you tried to talk me off of it last week. You did not do it successfully, as I, I did roll out DeAndre Johnson's showdown lineups, and I can assure you it did not go well, as he did not play a snap. I don't know what they're going to do with the playoffs, honestly, knowing he is the much better option than Perez. Uh, maybe they do actually still like Perez, since Perez was the starter in week one anyhow. Maybe that's how they're rolling this out. But either way, not going back to that, we are, like I mentioned earlier, all going to play Victor in four-game slates, but... Is there any lean you have in the passing game for Michigan, knowing that Lenore will continue to see a heavy dose of targets? 12 last week, in fact, a team high, eight the next closest to LaMichael Petway. But again, the efficiency was not there. And eight catches for 63 yards, just fine, but not fine as a 30% rostered wide receiver. And so, is this a a player you keep going back to this week? Or would you prefer to look elsewhere in other ranges, knowing that we just can't jam in everyone like him at the top?
1: Yeah, I mean, you you got to kind of pick your spots here. And I wish we had a little bit more concrete evidence about who was going to start at the quarterback position for the Panthers. That might help you feel a little bit one way or the other about Lance Lenore. Um, we've not seen him be as frequently targeted. It seems from Josh love. Um, so just keep in mind that it could be a pretty fragile assumption that, that Lenore get there. There's a lot of pathways to fail. Um, after all he is playing for Jeff Fisher, there's a lot of things that could go wrong on the New Jersey side of the ball. Like if you're looking for other players beyond Cavante Turpin in the passing game, it gets kind of tough. Like, I think you're really just kind of hoping uh, for Alonzo Moore, I think he's the only other guy you can really consider going to. Uh, it's going to be him and Darius Shepard more than likely carrying the two and three role, if I had to guess. Um, but, you know, it's it's tough. I mean, Turpin's, Turpin's commands such a large target share in that offense. Um, it, it would really be tough for Alonzo Moore to get past him. Now, Trey Williams, on the other hand, uh, backup running back to me is a tremendous leverage spot. If you're thinking about ways you can get unique off of Darius Victor, but what if finally the touchdowns fall on Trey Williams' area? Um, you know, we've seen Darius Victor pop up with um, on the injury report. He, he never it never seems to affect him, but he's on the injury report every week, um, so he's dealing with some stuff. You know, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise anyone, I don't think, if if Trey Williams all of a sudden you know got just as many carries and just so happened to be the guy who converted one you know in the red zone, and and, and he does that all of a sudden, and he's the guy you need at running back.
0: Let's move on to the Saturday night game and the Houston Gamblers at Birmingham Stallions. And any injury news for us to be aware of in this one?
1: Yeah, Mark Thompson will be coming back this week. He's uh, officially declared active and uh, is listed as probable here. Uh, Dalen Dawkins will not be active at running backs. So that's going to leave Mark Thompson with Devil Whaley in the backfield. The team also just picked up Benny LeMay, so they will have three active running backs, but we don't know exactly how active to expect Mark Thompson to be. Um, if you remember two weeks ago, he comes jogging off the field and he's kind of holding his wrist, and that's like one of those things you do, A, if you have a wrist injury, but also B, if you have a, a shoulder injury. And Shoulder injuries can be kind of concerning for running backs, and that's what uh, Thompson has as a shoulder injury. Uh, so, of course, we don't have any uh, further information about grade one, grade blah, 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 you know, like the things we would normally find out uh, from Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport, we, we don't have that. So we just know he's got a shoulder problem and he's probably going to play. We don't know how much. So just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. That being said, he doesn't grade out particularly well for me on a projection standpoint this week mostly due to that uncertainty. Um, Yeah, the team will get Isaiah Zuber back this week as well. Zuber missed last week with an illness. He should go right back into his leading role there in the offense. On the Birmingham side, uh, Scarborough looks ready to rock and roll. He should get another featured workload there in that offense. And Victor Bolden will be coming back this week. And I do like going back to Victor Bolden. Um, He has not been very efficient this week. I've got him projected for a 52% catch rate, not very stellar. Um, But he does also project for about 31% of the team's targets, uh, which is a fantastic number, perhaps the best in the league. So um, you definitely consider firing up Victor Bolden. And um, for Jamar Smith, his outlook actually looks pretty solid this week with Alex Magoo placed on the inactive list. So Jamar will have uh, nobody looking over his shoulder. Montel Kozart will be the backup quarterback, but um, we're looking at 100% snap rate, pretty much locked in for Jamar Smith, um, and so uh, to me that really boosts his floor quite a bit, and uh, we know he's got a ceiling. We've seen that earlier this season.
0: The, the only concern is, yes, we, we know he has a ceiling, but This is now the third game in a row since he has been their quarterback the past two games, and we've gotten practically nothing from him. That is my issue. So uh, definitely volatile, but will be low-rostered, and at least we know he is a ceiling player in the right spot. Also for Houston and Mark Thompson – Not the type of player, as you mentioned, that we want to target. Yes, he's explosive. He's probably the league's best back, honestly. But he's only exceeded 17 carries in one game all year and has seen one or zero targets in five of his seven starts. So, like, not the type of upside and not the usage we want from our USFL running backs, especially since there are two or three strong ones that we consider free squares that they're touch shares just seem to not be ever going away. So I'm not really on Houston in this offense anyhow. Is there a particular option you would stack with Jamar Smith? Uh, and that includes with Bo Scarborough, a la what we said last week, like with Case Cooks and CJ Maribel, knowing that like we can also get unique exposure and having the running back here, the touch heavy running back here, but then also any particular wide receiver.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't complicate it much more than Bolden, to be quite honest. I, I mean, you could go down to uh, Marlon Williams, a guy who looked great last week. If you think maybe Victor Bolden might not be uh, quite 100 percent, then Marlon Williams would probably be the guy to come back in and, and steal a pretty major target share. So, um yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that Birmingham offense just gets going, and obviously Bo comes along for the ride with uh, with a Jamar stack, but probably not something I'm targeting. The only guy I would want to make sure I have in my Jamar teams is is more than likely going to be Victor Golden.
0: Do you have enough belief? Like, do you think Jamar's ceiling is high enough to where he can carry? two wide receivers since we even saw Williams pop up last week with 12 targets, even though, again, we know that's because Bolden was out that week um, or basically just only Victor Bolden, and that's when we're moving on. I,
1: I don't think I'm playing two wide receivers from any team, uh, period. Like I, I it's, it's hard for them all to get there. Um, it really is. And so, like, especially on a four-game slate, you really have to kind of thread the needle if you're trying to win a large field tournament. Um, yeah, and even the smaller field stuff, to me, there's not there's not a ton of need for over correlating. I think you want to kind of approach it like cash with a with a smidge of uh you know single stack correlation and, and a bring back along with it.
0: So it sounds like really Saturday is our free square day. Like uh maybe take the chance on Jamar Smith stacks, but overall we just take our running backs in these these couple of games then move on to yeah, C- Saturday from there.
1: The 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 pass catchers or the the quarterbacks who we really want to play actually have the toughest um, group of people to pair with them. So it's tough. So I don't mind taking one offs at the receiver position as well. And um, I mean, we know Victor Bolton's gonna be a focal point of the offense. We know um, you know, several of these teams have uh, locked in guys, Lance Lenore, um, Cavante Turpin. Like, I mean, they're just the guys, and it's it's clear now at this point. So I don't mind going with some of those.
0: Let's go on to Sunday and we will discuss this, not only for the four-game slate, for the two-game slate as well. And we start with Jordan Tiamu's Tampa Bay Bandits and the New Orleans Breakers. What injury news do you have for us on these two teams fronts?
1: Yeah, so we're still waiting. So we we've got um we've got injury news for everybody who's playing Saturday and everybody who plays Sunday. The news will come out tonight, theoretically. Um, but we do know that we are keeping an eye on on a handful of players for these teams Tampa everybody looks clear and ready to rock and roll really for the breakers I would guess everybody's fine Sean Poindexter wide receiver Marquise McLean wide receiver and Taylor Bertolette the kicker um, all are practicing this week but they are listed on the the injury report the variety of injuries for Pittsburgh everybody seems good to go good to go as well but for Philly there are um, some injuries there that I guess we can talk about once we get to that game. But um, so overall, like not a ton of injury news um, that changes anything up a ton for us this week. I think we've just got to figure out, especially for this game, what do we expect for these quarterbacks? Cause Tamu and Kyle Slaughter have both been really all over the place this year in terms of um, what we can expect from them. And they've both been cold and back-to-back games. Um, obviously, Case Cook has stole the show last week, and if you didn't have him, you didn't make any money. Um, But, you know, like in a general sense, when the scoring is a bit more clustered, like these are two of the quarterbacks that can at least separate themselves from the field, so it's worth trying to figure it out. I believe the breakers have a pretty good defense, so I don't think this is the week I'll go back to Te'amu, but um, Slaughter lit up the Bandits the last time they played them, so uh, it could be a a Slaughter bounce-back game.
0: And Slaughter has not only been inefficient three weeks in a row now, but also turnover prone uh, so much so that if they had any other options, I would be worried about him getting benched at some point. So that's the main issue with this breakers offense that isn't even explosive anymore. Like they've been a joke the past couple of games. Uh, so yeah, I, I think you answered though for Te'amu and that a bad mashup and he's been terrible, which Again, we've had questions about the entire season, so he's just kind of showing his true colors in my opinion. Thus, I don't need to worry about stacking them in. Uh, do you have any thoughts, though, on their backfield since we saw Jawan Washington pop up with 20 carries to Emmons' 12? And we've seen this timeshare fluctuate. And so I don't know if this was a, a one-off. I'm not sure if it's because of like game script. I, I just don't know.
1: Yeah, it was it was strange because Emmons had kind of been their thunder and Washington the lightning, and they seemed the switch
0: roles last week. Where, and we do remember two weeks ago, like Emmons was injured. So, mm-hmm. but again, like now he was recovered from that. We assume.
1: So I think mean, overall, I'm not trying to force any of these guys. I mean, if I'm building enough lineups, they'll both of them will sprinkle in. Uh, but I'm kind of avoiding this whole team. I think uh, sort of from stop from top top to bottom because. Both the running backs are gross. The, the receiving core is is gross. There's nobody who projects for more than 20% of the target share in that offense. Uh, to me, I think the one guy I'm really going to keep an eye on that maybe will give me a piece of this offense is Cheyenne O'Grady. It, Daquan Hampton was out last week, so that made O'Grady a full-time player. If Hampton is out again, we get worried that Hampton is inactive this week. That puts O'Grady back on the map again. Um, you know, he'll get close to twenty percent of the team's touches. Um, I, I think he's a good player. His targets are kind of up and down, but I don't mind going back to that. Well, I was all over O'Grady last week. It didn't work out, but um I, I definitely don't mind going back to him this week is probably the preferred option to pair with Tomu if you're gonna do it. But definitely the to me, the the primary one-off that i
0: that's got. the seeker we're sitting on, because remember without Hampton and week one. They only had one tight end to run. And that's why O'Grady not only spiked with the team high, a league high in target share week one, but also ran a route on over 90% of the team's dropbacks because they only had one tight end to use. And they've shown us that if there's only one tight end to use, they will use that one tight end, like he's the commander's tight end. So I agree. Like that's the injury news we're waiting for. And if Hampton's out again, we pile on O'Grady and we go overweight on the field because he's arguably like one of the best receivers in the entire slate, whether it's Sunday or the four-gamer. What about on the other side of the ball for the breakers? Because, again, it comes down to whether they're explosive or not. They're still running a timeshare between Anthony Jones and Jordan Ellis. And really, like their receivers aren't good enough to sustain production when their quarterback is this bad. And so that's why I worry about Jonathan Adams and the rest of the group.
1: Yeah, it sucks, uh, because both the, the either of the running backs could be awesome, absolute lock-button plays if they either of them got just a little bit more work than they're getting, or at least predictable work, and uh, we're just not getting it. Like It looks like a true 50-50 split at this point between Anthony Jones and Jordan Allen, where I, I've got Jones projected just a smidge higher in the run game. And Ellis, uh, I guess, actually, Jones just a smidge higher in the passing game with with Ellis actually getting a few more routes. But um, it, it's tough. I, I really don't know which way to go here. I wish I could provide more clarity. I think the team's most recent um Usage of both these players seems to suggest maybe that they want to kind of give Jordan Ellis another chance to run with it. Anthony Jones kind of came in and looked like he uh, was providing a bit of a spark for this team. But if you look, um, Jordan Ellis has actually led the team in snaps for the past two weeks. I think they want Ellis to be their number one guy, um, and I think we saw Jordan Ellis take the first snap, if I'm not mistaken, last week. So, I think as Ellis gets first chance at developing hot hand, and if he can do it, uh, maybe he can actually get a little bit more run. So maybe I'll lean him a little bit more this week.
0: Let's move on to the final game, and I think it's very important to talk about between Philadelphia and Pittsburgh for two game slate in particular because where else do you go except case cookus who in a two game slate will probably be 60 70% rostered if not more uh and five touchdowns you know 300 total yards from scrimmage i definitely think we're fluky but also this is the only offense now who is actually sustaining production uh, and maybe not even sustaining in a way where you can get away with stacking onslaughting them or stacking two receivers. But I said Marable earlier. I meant Matt Colburn, obviously. But we are still definitely playing Cookus and Colburn. And then do you have any other leans from there? And how would you attack the quarterbacks now that we are talking about this game as well for the two-game slate?
1: Yeah, I mean, Colburn's a smash. As we look at the injury report for the Stars – Darnell Holland, again, limited this week. Um, He's still inactive. He will remain that way until he is made active. And so don't expect him to be suited up this week. But just in case, something to keep in mind. Obviously, if there were three active running backs for Philly, that could at least raise a red flag against Matt Colburn. But uh, until then, we're operating under the assumption he's fine. DeAndre Overton uh, has been limited this week in practice. So we'll get a glimpse as to uh, his status here coming up soon. Everybody else has pretty much been full, including uh, Bug Howard, Paul Terry, Devin Gray, um, all on the injury report, but all practicing in full. So as we're looking at where to go, it, it really is tough. And that's it's the toughest thing about playing Case Cook is, is knowing exactly how to deploy him with pass catchers. Because... They do have Maurice Alexander essentially serving as the third wide receiver behind Jordan Sewell and Devin Gray, um, and Bug Howard is out there a bit too, but even his usage has been up and down in the last couple of weeks. Um, I'd say TLDR, Jordan Sewell is probably my favorite play um, at the receiver position. He's the guy who's actually maybe flashed and shown a little bit more of a uh, playmaker's skill set. So I don't mind um, you know, firing away on Jordan Sewell. I'll probably go ahead and not play DeAndre Overton, even if he is active. Just go ahead and eliminate him from the player pool. I don't like the fact that he's been limited in practice and obviously took a significant uh, drop in snaps last week. So um not super interested in going there. And uh, Maurice Alexander would probably be the guy up after, after Devin Gray there as wide receiver
0: three. What about for four-game slates options, knowing Cook is still the best option, do you just try to get unique? Do you think Sewell with him is going to be unique enough? Um, What else are you doing at quarterback? Is Jamar Smith, as you mentioned earlier, that answer?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think obviously Cook is going to be probably far more popular this week than he deserves to be. He he could be the quarterback that you need. Um, so, I think mixing him into a portfolio does make some sense, but um, you just look for different places to get unique. You don't have to get unique at the quarterback position. More weeks than not, the quarterback position is not going to kill you um, as long as you get a guy who's in the general range of everyone else. It's going to be nailing those one off players or getting that correlation piece right. So, um, no problem going Cookus and Sewell and even Cookus, Sewell, Sewell, Colburn and just riding the stars hard here because i think they should walk their way past the maulers but that means that you probably can't also play uh turpin uh, victor and bo scarborough like you play those you're going to have the same lineup as uh 400 other people in the tournament like you gotta avoid you gotta pick and choose your battles i think um so I think it's it's kind of a lineups, not players type of answer to that question where it's okay to play Cookus and Sewell together. You just need to be thinking about how chalky you're being with the rest of your lineup.
0: And then what about Rivers for Pittsburgh? Since we saw Roland Rivers have rushing upside with five carries, 28 yards and a touchdown. Also, they were the Maulers trailing 22 to seven at the half. So, this increase in passes with 38 last week. It was strictly due to game script. But who's to say, like against a explosive stars offense, that they won't be in the same position. And now we know Rivers has rushing upside. So like do we expect him to start? And if so, if he's going to play the whole game, I actually think he's a great pivot as well.
1: Yeah, I think Roland Rivers probably does play the whole game this game. Um I, the script could really get sideways on them quickly, which could be a fantastic thing for fantasy for Roland Rivers and company. Again, this is a team where we don't exactly know where the ball's going to go. Um, even under the best of circumstances, like they, they completely benched Bailey Gaither. He's not in a game plan whatsoever uh, played like what, less than 5% of the snaps last week. Um, so, you know, Trey Walker was out there, but even he was limited in how many snaps they were giving him. It's like, They've had guys show up and make plays. Madre London two weeks ago has 99 yards and a touchdown barely sees the ball last week. Like I don't understand. It seems like good players are punished by Kirby Wilson. Uh, so that said, I've got no really strong takes on where you should be targeting in terms of pass catchers to go with Roland rivers. Maybe it'd be just a situation where you roll them out there naked, or I guess you could go delve Hardway, hard way, but, um, I Uh, Maybe you buy back into Trey Walker. I think you're telling yourself a pretty lofty story, though, once you start building out around Pittsburgh Maulers.
0: I I like Henny if I had to call one, if only because since being activated in week six, he's now had at least five targets in three consecutive games. And again, I kind of like Maulers. I don't think we can get away with double stacking, but I do kind of like Rivers a lot because knowing that they won't be able to stop Cookus either, and so while the field goes overweight on Cookus, this is like our contrarian response to that. So I like Rivers and Haney quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I think there's something to that. Um, I would probably save that for large field, but that, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Uh, but with that, quick and tidy the past couple of weeks as yeah. there were only like seven players to really talk about at the USFL. So anything else, Justin, that you want to uh, pass along before we get out of here? Everyone else, of course, everything we're talking about today. Also, what TJ and his guest of the week, Sam Hoppin, was on honeymoon this past week. I believe he's going to be back this week on the F1 show. That will also note that the promo code 44 will get you 10% off at runthesims.com right now. But anything else you want to promote, Justin?
1: Yeah, so uh, we've got USFL and F1 this week. NFL is right around the corner, and we've got some cool stuff that you can already start doing for free over on site. So go check us out. Um, use that code 444 at checkout and and get the package of your choice And I think we'll have the uh, full blown NFL subscription up here soon so that'll be fun come join us
0: exciting times though until then I'm going to enjoy the the month long lull and treat it like a vacation but until then one more week we will be back next week with our final episode of year one of USFL daily good luck to everyone this week we'll see you then